What does mission work look like in the beautiful country of Belize? Joining me in studio today, the Reverend Dwayne Meisner, serving the Lord in Belize, uh, working toward bringing the first Lutheran congregation into Belize. Christ in Belize is uh, the name of the mission. Pastor Meisner, welcome back. Thanks, Andy. It's great to be back here again. Glad to have you back in uh, here in Missouri on a nice, warm December day. Uh, probably chilly for you, though. It is quite chilly, you know, <laughs> but I'm, I'm slowly getting used to it. <laughs> well, welcome back. Glad to have some time with you and learn more about uh, your service in Belize and the people that you've met and what it means to be a missionary in Belize. You've been there for over a year now, almost a year and a half. Is that yeah, right? About a year and a half. That's right. You and your your beautiful family, growing family. Congratulations. I understand a, a new member in the Meissner family. Absolutely. Growing more beautiful by uh, by the moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Abigail was was born in August, or August 9th. And so we are a little bit uh, busier than, than normal. And uh, life is a little bit hectic, but uh, we are very, very blessed. It's a blessed hectic. How is uh, how is the Meister family doing? How's how's mom doing? And and uh, your home on reconnect as well. So in a different location for a little while. How's That's the family right. doing? Well, all things considered, really, we are doing quite well. Uh, God is gracious, and we're being well cared for. Um, you know, life is, uh, of course, a little bit uh, uh, challenging when you're hopping around from one place to the next. You know, Elizabeth and a couple of our kids came back to uh, the States for her whole uh, third trimester, and uh, she went back to Texas for that because her mom works at, uh, at a hospital as a labor and delivery nurse and in New Braunfels, Texas, and she uh, she wanted to be a part of that, and we wanted her to be a part of that. And so we, we spent a, or they spent a good amount of time there in Texas, and then well, while I stayed back in Belize and worked for a few months uh, with our oldest daughter, and then we came up and joined the family for the birth and uh, visited a couple congregations there uh, in Central Texas. And then we moved up here to St. Louis and used this as our hub for going out and completing our home service uh, for the past couple of months. And, and that's been going really well. Tell me about Belize and what you've been learning in the, uh, the year and a half that you've been there. Uh, tell me what does life look like as a missionary? What's your mission? What's your work? Oof, big questions. <laughs> yeah, uh, Belize is a fascinating country. There's really no comparing it to any other country because uh, it's it's right in the middle, you know, the thick of, of Latin America. We've got uh, Mexico bordering it and Guatemala bordering it. Um, but uh, it, it has its own flair. It's not exactly Latin American because it was a, a former British colony. It used to be called British Honduras until it gained its independence back in 1981, not too long ago. Uh, and so you still have this strong uh, English uh, influence in the culture. It's it, There's uh, a strong Caribbean influence, and there is the Latin America influence too. So uh, it, it's just kind of a, a very eclectic place to, to live and to work. And so uh, it, it's just a constant education for me. Um, there's all kinds of different people groups and pockets of, of different uh, cultures here and there within Belize. And I've been focusing primarily on the Garifuna people and the Garifuna culture with uh, the particular village that I've been serving uh, primarily for the past year and a half. But um, I, I'm slowly trying to get to know all kinds of different people, the Mayan Indians, the Creoles, uh, uh, the Chinese immigrants, uh, you name it. So uh, there's all kinds of interesting things there. When you think about it geographically, not that big. No, it's a little bit smaller than the state of Massachusetts. But yet within this one country, many different uh, cultures that have uh, th that make up the, the people of Belize. Right, and it's a quickly changing uh, country too, because even though you do have these strong pockets of 
of uh, the Garifuna and, and you have the Creole people there uh, and the Mayan Indians. It, it is quickly being populated and growing with uh, Hispanic immigrants who are coming in from from all kinds of surrounding countries in, uh, in Central America. So uh, I feel the writing is kind of on the wall for what Belize is going to look like 50 years down the road, which is important to keep in mind as a missionary is trying to start a, uh, an indigenous Lutheran uh, uh, church body there. Um, it's, uh, it's becoming more and more Latin American uh, as we move along in Hispanic. Tell me about bringing the word, Christ the word, to the people of Belize. What does that look like? The, the conversations or the people that you've had an opportunity to meet and to bring the word to? Well, from the beginning, I've, for whatever reason, I, I've really uh, kind of focused on our Lord's metaphor of, of uh, the sower of the seed uh, in his parable. Um, it's very helpful to, to understand uh, uh, the work that I do. So, uh, of course, the sower goes out and he scatters seeds, and it seems like he almost does it recklessly in the parable. He throws it you know, all over the place, and seed lands in all kinds of different places. Some places are, are uh, conducive to, uh, to the word, and, and the, the word is received, and, the, and the, uh, a plant or a seed takes root, and so on. Other places, you know, it, it, things don't work out so well. You know, birds come and, and snatch up the seed, or weeds grow up and, and choke it out. Um, and uh, that is really the case uh, with, with my work, too. Um, but my job as a sower is to get out there, and whenever there is an opportunity to spread the word of God, I do it. Uh, and, and what does that look like? I mean, there there are different ways that that you can go out and spread the word of God. I, I could uh, take on the uh, the persona of uh, of a street preacher and, and and get a bullhorn out there and stand on the corner and just uh, preach uh, preach on the street. But um, I I have instead taken the approach of of getting to know people. Uh, getting involved in their individual lives and, and in their family members' lives, learning about uh, who they are, what makes them tick, and, and what uh, challenges their life ha- happens to have in, in the moment, and uh, what are some of the things that they're working on, what are some of their strengths uh, personally, and and allowing God's Word to have an effect on them there. So, uh, what exactly does that look like for me? One thing that I love about my job is I, I absolutely have no idea what the day is going to hold for me on any given day. So I will wake up in the morning and uh, have breakfast with my family and get the kids off to school. But then I'll I'll hitchhike to uh, the village that I'm serving, the village of St. Bite. You know, sometimes it may take me 30 minutes to find a truck who will pick me up and other times it <laughs> might happen right away. But once I get into the village, uh, I just hit the streets and, and I walk up and down the streets and see what the day brings, see what see what people I might run into, see what kind of conversations I might have. And I, I do have some regularly scheduled uh, activities. I will go to a, a short list of people's homes for uh, individual uh, devotions and prayers, things like that, relationships I've developed over time. Um, I do have some Bible studies that are up and up and running at, with different groups within the village, and so I'll, I'll have those planned events. But apart from that, um, it's just striking up random conversations with random people. And, and that can look uh, really, really interesting sometime. Tell me about one of those conversations. Okay. Um, or one well, of those people, I should say. Well, let me tell you about a, uh, uh, an incident that actually turned into a really awesome opportunity for spreading the word of God. Uh, I was walking, actually, I was having lunch. That's right. Uh, I was having lunch, uh, at one of the local restaurants, and, and in the village of St. Bite, a local restaurant is nothing more than a family's kitchen. So you're basically invited into somebody's home, and sometimes we'll eat with the family members, and there's only one thing on the menu, 
that's whatever the family happens to be eating that day. And so if, if you want it, that's what you get. Um, but I was having lunch at one of these restaurants and I noticed across the street that there is a house uh, with a, a second floor wi- window that had smoke coming out of it. And um, that seemed a little bit strange to me. I wasn't really too sure what was going on up there. But, but when I started seeing little tongues of fire coming out of the window, I knew something was wrong. So I was the first person to notice this in the village. And so I hop up from my, my table, I run outside, and I tried to get the attention of, of, uh, of some of the other locals. And, and sure enough, you know, they, they were alerted right away and uh, sprang into action. And in, in a matter of a, of a second, there was uh, just mass chaos in, in the village because there, there really is no good way to deal with a, a tragedy like this in a village. It doesn't have a, a regular fire service or anything like that. So I and the village men... Uh, scramble around trying to find buckets, trying to find bowls, cups, you know, anything that could hold any amount of water. And then uh, we found a, a few neighboring uh, residences that would uh, turn on their water for us so we could fill up little buckets and do our best to try and put out this fire that very quickly became a raging inferno. And then there was no, uh, there was no saving it. It was, it was pretty clear from the beginning. But, you know, what, what do you do in a situation like that? You you work, you know, you, you show your love to the people and uh, you do whatever you can. But when, when all was said and done and the house was basically burned down to a crisp and there's nothing but a smoldering uh, rubble, um, you know, I was exhausted and uh, I was, you know, coughing. I plenty of smoke was in my lungs and whatnot and, and, and just really depressed and, and, and saddened by, by what has happened to this family. But then I noticed that uh, there is this huge crowd of people a huge crowd of villagers who are standing there uh, with their jaws wide open, you know, witnessing this this terrible tragedy that has come upon one of their own. And uh, I, I realized a lot of these people have no idea how to make sense of this. A lot of these people have no idea what to do with this situation. Um, and, and in some cases, the, these people have a worldview uh, that... Um, has taught them to uh, to handle it in, in actually harmful ways, how to, how to process a tragedy in, in harmful ways. And so I, I realized it is my job, it is my duty in a situation like this as a sower of the seed of God's word to speak to the situation. And so I I gathered this group of people together, it was probably over 100 people um, who were just standing there uh, trying to make sense of it and got them to huddle together into a tight group. And I asked them if I could pray for them. And by now, everybody in the village knows who I am. I mean, I've been walking up and down the streets beating people for a number of months already. And it's a small village, only 1,200 people. Um, so they know who I am. They know that I'm a pastor and they respect me and they, and they want to hear what I have to say. But I have this, all of a sudden, this captive audience, a bigger captive audience than I've ever had in Belize before. And this perfect opportunity to, uh, to witness to them. And so I say a prayer for them. And my, my prayer that day kind of turns into a 10, 15 minute spontaneous sermon where I, where I offer to them a, a Christian worldview, a, a Christian account of the way the world works, the way God operates and, uh, and, and give them a picture of a God of love and a God of deliverance. Uh, and in many cases, if not every case, it, it was a story that uh, they had not heard before. So, you know, what's going to happen at the end of that? You know, uh, I'm not too sure. You know, my job has been done as the sower of the seed of God's word. The, the God's word has gotten out there, and I'll continue to uh, to witness to that uh, to that group of people as I have opportunity and, and whatnot. But uh, now it's time for God to provide the growth. 
Uh, and so we'll we'll see what God has has in store for uh, for those people uh, as we continue to serve them. You mentioned that the the people of the community know who you are, mm-hmm. uh, and they respect you. They know that you're a pastor, and they they also want to hear you. They want to listen to you. Well, how do they address you? What do they call you, Pastor Dwayne? Yeah, and 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 sometimes they. Uh, well, I shouldn't say sometimes. They, it's very very common for people to assign a nickname. Uh, to to anybody in the village, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a, a sign of respect, uh, a sign of you know, kind of welcoming you in as, as someone that they like. So every single villager in in Saint Bite has at least one nickname, and it's not something that you make up for yourself. It's something that is given to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've had a few people in Saint Bite uh, only after being there only three or four weeks. I, I think it's because of my beard. I don't know. Uh, but started calling me Jesus, and so I'm, I'm trying. You know, it, it's a compliment, of course, but I, I, I'm trying uh, try to steer them towards perhaps a, a different, um, a, a different nickname that I'd be a little bit more worthy of. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> so uh, you're known as Jesus to some. Well, to, to a few. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to put a stop to that. <laughs> Tell me uh, about um, one or two people that that you've met in your time there that has helped you learn who the, the Belize people are uh, or uh, one person that you've met that you've been able to, to bring the, the word of God to, you've been able to, to see the word of God at work. Okay. Um, yeah, there is a, one of my jobs is to uh, always keep in the back of my mind that I eventually want to work myself out of a job. Okay, I, I want to raise up local Belizean Lutheran pastors as time goes on, because uh, we don't want to be there as the LCMS, you know, it, you know, centuries into the future. When we want to have a, an indigenous Lutheran church body, and so we're we're always looking for young men uh, who we could possibly uh, raise up to be uh, local leaders, and local congregations, and local pastors. Um, well, I met one young man. Um, uh, first, I, I, the first time I met him, I, I met him in a section of Belize called Old Man's Park. And Old Man's Park is a place where, uh, where men of all ages uh, gather. It's, and it's a familiar group. Uh, they gather uh, every single day from before sunup and until after sundown. And they do nothing basically but drink the day away. Um, they they you know, don't have a lot, of, a lot of drive or a lot of opportunities to go out and, and uh, find good work. Uh, and it's just a really, uh, a really difficult situation for a lot of guys. And uh, I see a lot of people who are just kind of drinking their lives away. And uh, they don't know how uh, or don't have the desire to, to serve their neighbor. Um, but I look at that as a good opportunity to, uh, to spread the word of God, to sow that seed. So I, I also look at this group of guys as exactly the type of people that Jesus would be hanging out with. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know what's going to come of it, but uh, I started uh, popping in on this on this group of guys every single day. And it took a little while for them to warm up to me. They're, you know, up front, they are, they are gracious and accommodating and, and, and welcoming. Um, but uh, it took a little while for them to, to really gain uh, an interest in who I was and, and, and why I was there and whatnot. But uh, eventually they... They found out that uh, that I was a pastor, and um, and when I when I came day after day after day, and it wasn't just a, a one time stop, uh, they started to appreciate you know the, the work that I was doing, and, and so now it has gotten to the point where I can't walk past Old Man's Park without without somebody seeing me and waving me, waving me over and insisting, Pastor Dwayne. They call me Pastor already, Pastor Dwayne. 
what word do you have for us today? What word are you going to give us? And so now I, this turned into a, a daily kind of Bible study slash devotion time uh, with this group of guys who ask some really good questions and uh, provide uh, all kinds of uh, interesting opportunities to, to speak God's word into their lives. Um, and so that's been a, a fantastic, uh, regular ongoing thing. Well, one of the guys who I met in Old Man's Park came up to me, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe five or six months ago after many, many visits. And he said, you know, Pastor Duane, I, I really like the things that you're saying. Uh, and you're, you're teaching us some really interesting things. And I really want to learn more. Uh, would it be okay if, if we had a, a separate Bible study with just you and me uh, where we could study God's Word in, in a little bit more depth? But he said, Pastor Duane, can, can we do it uh, somewhere away from Old Man's Park? Because there are too many distractions for me in Old Man's Park. And of course, this is like music to a pastor's ear. Of course, I would, I would love to, to, uh, to have a Bible study with, with just you or maybe a couple of guys. Uh, what do you have in mind? And he said, well, Pastor Dwayne, why don't you come over to my house? Uh, and, and how about you come over two times a week? And we could just study God's word together. He said, that's great. And so really for the past five or six months, well, up until the time when I left for, for furlough, uh, I was meeting every Tuesday and every Thursday in this man's house. Uh, for at least an hour each day. Sometimes it would go on for two hours. And uh, we've been studying God's Word together. And we started with the Gospel of Mark, and we studied the Gospel of Mark from, from verse 1 all the way to the end, two different times. Uh, then we moved on to the small catechism. We studied Luther's small catechism together uh, front to back. And since then, we've moved on to the book of Acts, and we're about halfway through there. And uh, we're, I'm sure we're just going to pick up where we left off uh, when I return to Belize here come, come January. And uh, it's been... A fantastic thing. This guy is incredibly intelligent, uh, remarkably intelligent. He's a voracious reader and uh, really, really wants to learn more. But as, as we study, he's been making comments to me like, Pastor Duane, uh, you know, no one's really ever taught me uh, about the Bible much before. I mean, he, he went through uh, a Roman Catholic uh, uh, school, a grade school going up where he learned a couple of the basic Bible stories, but, um, uh, but he's never really been taught what any of those things mean. Uh, and whatnot. So um, he's been learning a lot, and he's saying, "I, I, I agree with what you what you're saying. Uh, this is this is what I believe. I, I want to make this my own." So this is uh, just a fantastic example of of the seed of God's word actually taking root and and beginning to flourish. That. Uh, I, it keeps me going. I, mean, I, 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 <laughs> I bet I, I come across all kinds of challenges and all kinds of failures, uh, left and right, more than I would more than I would like. But uh, every so often, uh, these wonderful success stories come along too that uh, that keep the fire under me and and keep me going. What a I'm sure what a joy for you as a pastor. One to find this this group of men who are there every day and say it's it's, it's like it, it's a Bible study. Just to add the pastor. Yeah. Pastor, what word do you have for us today? Right. <laughs> what, what greater thing could a pastor hear? Absolutely. Than, than words such as those. Yeah. How has, how has your family embraced the, the culture of Belize? What does it look like for a missionary family to, to live in a country like Belize? Well, when we figure it out, we'll we'll definitely let you know. Uh, it's still a, a learning process, uh, to be sure. And by the time we left for the uh, for the birth of our baby, uh, middle of the middle of last summer, we were really coming up across uh, the kind of the one year mark of uh, 
uh, of our work there and of our life there. And, and that's really is a challenging time when you're going into a brand new field. You know, you, you, everyone goes through culture shock at some, at some point and at, at some level. And it, it does take, anytime you go to a new place, it takes a solid two or three years before it really starts to feel like home. Uh, and that's certainly the case with us too. I mean, we, by the time we were wrapping up our our first year, it was it was at a challenging time, and so we're we're still learning, uh, and and we're going to get back there uh, come January and and pick up where we left off. Uh, but uh, it, it takes a while to to develop relationships. Um, one of our bigger challenges uh, to date has been. Uh, just the fact that we have been on the field uh, by ourselves. Um, we've. Uh, the, the LCMS has been working really hard to, to get us a partner, and and we had uh, we had some promising um, leads that uh, that ended up not panning out for for one reason or another, uh, and so it has taken. We've spent a longer period of time than than originally planned on the field by ourselves, and so not having that that immediate support system there has has been a bit of a challenge, um, but uh, but we're getting out of that now. Uh, we've got some good news uh, in that uh, we do have a partner missionary now. Reverend Herb Birch and his wife Marky have been uh, uh, transferred in from uh, from the mission field. They have been serving in Peru for the past uh, four years or so, uh, and have now transferred to Belize to to join me and to be uh, be my partners. And uh, uh, they they bring with them a lot of um, a lot of experience uh, and and really a just a Christian heart that is going to be. Very, very helpful uh, because they're they're very gracious people, very loving people, and they are are ready to um, bond with us and uh, and and help my family out, and we're gonna we're gonna help one another out and be a solid support system. I think one thing that you shared in uh, one of your recent newsletters was this um, this creation of a third culture. Mm. You, you bring your your American family into Belly's culture. You don't you you want to embrace the culture of the people you're serving in right. many ways, but you don't lose the the culture in which you were raised. But you're no longer solely in American culture either. So you end up with what? Right. So you end up with this kind of weird uh, third culture and whole books have you know been written about this about this concept. And it's a really good thing to be aware of. Uh, I'm learning. Yeah. I mean, you go to a new place and all of a sudden you're, you're really excited about, you know, fully embracing this this new culture. And so what do you do? You, know, you go to the vegetable stand and, and go to the supermarkets and buy buy nothing but the, the local produce and the lo- local uh, fruits and vegetables. And, and that's all really exciting. And it's it's fun stuff. And so you, you, you try and eat like a local for uh, for the first several months, but then you, you realize sometimes you just really want a burger, you know? And so you'll, we'll go to a, uh, we'll go to a, a local restaurant or something like that and get a good old American style uh, cheeseburger uh, to, uh, and, and we're reminded, you know, we will never be fully native, you know, Belizeans, you know, we will always be Americans to one sense, to one degree or another. Uh, and, and that's okay. So we have to figure out how do we uh, fi- manage this uh, this third culture phenomenon uh, with our with our own family, and it's it's kind of neat. I, I think of the newsletter that you that you mentioned. Uh, we gave just one example of of what that third culture might look like. Uh, so it, it 
in America, it's a very popular uh, custom to carve pumpkins there at the end of October or in the fall, right? Um, well, you go to Belize and you don't really see a whole lot of pumpkins <laughs> and you don't see pumpkin carving. Uh, so, so what do you do? Uh, you want to embrace the local culture, but you don't want to give up your own culture. And, and what uh, what we've been doing for the past couple of years is uh, instead of carving pumpkins, we've been carving pineapples. And uh, it looks a little bit weird and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't maybe work as well, but it's it's kind of fun. Um, but, you know, in Belize, they don't have that same custom of, of carving vegetables in October. You know, they, they don't a really, weird custom, yeah, right? Well, they don't even have a, a fall exactly. They've got a rainy season and a, a dry season. And, and so, you know, at the end of October, they're not exactly thinking about carving up vegetables to celebrate something new and special. So, But we still want to do that. We know it's October. We know it's fall back in the States. And so we want to, to keep up our, our tradition, but without easy access to a bunch of pumpkins. What, what do you do in the tropics? You gra- grab a pineapple. Isn't it interesting, I'm sure, as you live in a new culture and reflect on the traditions of, of your own culture, uh, and think, boy, this must seem really strange to someone outside of... Who yeah, I'm, I'm quite sure. <laughs> as you bring it up, carving vegetables. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure uh, what the Belizean would think if they walked by our house and saw all these carved up pineapples. Um. <laughs> With uh, just under a minute left, how can we follow your story? Keep up with what's going on. You're you're traveling a little bit here in the, the in the Midwest or here in the the United States until you head back in January. Right. We're we're just wrapping up our home service. I've got a few more uh, congregations to visit uh, before spending Christmas with my family uh, in Texas. We're both of our families in Texas, and then I'm we're all gonna head back to Belize sometime around the turn of the new year. Um, yeah, if you want to keep track of what we're doing, the absolute best way to do that would be to sign up for our newsletter. So if you go to our website, christinbelize.com, christinbelize.com, uh, you can click on newsletter and, and plug in your own email address and you'll receive an electronic copy of our of our newsletter every single month. Which I receive and it helps me stay informed of what's going on with the mission and also you and your family and now uh, Herb and Markey as well yes. uh, hear what's going on with them hopefully in the future as well. Pastor Meisner, thank you so much for sharing with us your story today. Christinbelize.com is the place to follow their story. Always a pleasure to have you in studio. God's blessings on your reconnect here in Missouri and your travels back to Belize. Thanks, Andy. God bless you too. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word with Pastor Whedon on the Messenger of Good News, Worldwide KFUO. You've been listening to Faith and Family, produced by Worldwide KFUO the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. Or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO.